This is Buried in Our Past, Hidden Histories podcast of Westport Museum for History and Culture and the Westport Library, where you'll hear untold accounts of American history. Thanks for joining us. Hi, my name is Ramin Ganeshram. I am the executive director of the Westport Museum for History and Culture, and I'm back again with my friend and Westport Museum board member, Greg Parada. Hi, Ramin. Hello. It's great to be here with you. And you, as always. Yeah. So... I want to tell you a story today that is a World War II story with a little bit of holiday elements, but mostly a World War II story that relates to Westport. Okay. So do you remember Betty Grable and Rita Hayworth? Somewhat, a little before my day, of course, but (laughs) uh, no, I'm familiar with them, of course. So they were actresses in the 1940s. and. Um, what they were really most famous for, in addition to their acting, was uh, their pinup photos. Oh, yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. That American servicemen kind of taped to their um, barracks and their yes. bombers yes. and their, you know, right? I've, I've seen these. You have seen <laughs> Absolutely. these. Absolutely. Right? So <laughs> they were uh, the most famous pinup models yep. Yep. of the war. But what if I told you that right here in Westport in 1943, we had our own pinup girl who was in her own right very famous. Wow. Yes. Well, I'd want to see it. <laughs> I'm sorry to our listeners at home, you won't be able to see that, but you'll have yes. to you can Google it, I'm sure, after you hear it from Ramin. Well, I don't think you can Google it. Oh, okay. But we do have it at the museum. There you go. So, but before I tell you that story, I want to talk to you a little bit about the war and how it played out. In, in Westport and, and towns like Westport, mm. right? So um, if you remember, it's 1941 before the United States enters the war, which had already been going on in Europe. Um, and you, you remember why we entered the war. What was the, the seminal event that made us enter World War II? Well, I guess it was Pearl Harbor. It was Pearl Harbor, right? Yep. So uh, we enter in 1941 And Westport, like a lot of small towns, you know, immediately jumps into the war effort and responds in different ways, right? So there's the obvious that uh, young men enlisted in all branches of the military. Uh, Young women did too. Uh, Here in Westport, we did have a family of young women who entered the Air Corps, um, one of whom unfortunately died in training uh, maneuvers in on the West Coast, another mm-hmm. story for another time. But you know, people made their effort. Um, there was the Defense Committee, which was created in 1940, actually even before we entered the war. And the purpose of the Defense Committee was to train men, um, basic training, basic military training, right. drills. And the reason was uh, there was a there was a real fear that we would actually have to fight the war on American soil, that there was a reasonable expectation that, um, you know, the Axis powers, uh, Germany, Italy, Japan, could eventually make it over here and uh, bring the fighting here. Towns like this that were on the water had even more of a fear of that, right? Because Mm. there would be a rival by by ship, by submarine. Um, And in fact, submarines were tracked off of Long Island wow. and in the Long Island Sound mm-hmm. um, at at the at, during the period of the war, um, so these drills, uh, these defense committees, uh, really uh, were very serious, and local men did participate. Um, there was also um, 
an organization whose entire purpose was to, you know, watch the skies for enemy aircraft. And yeah. this was something that um, often teenage boys would participate in, oh, I mean, yeah. some teenage girls too, but yeah. um, the, the kids of the town, they were adults, yeah. but the kids of the town also participated in That's the war effort. interesting. My father actually has stories of this as a boy. He grew up in Detroit, Michigan. And, uh, you know, they all uh, were familiar with and savvy with the silhouettes of different fighting right. fighting planes. And they right. knew these and they, you know, it was something that it was a kind of a body of information that uh, they just had and were interested to know. Well, and this was provided by air raid wardens yeah, right. in exactly. different towns. Right, right. And they were trained. You know, it wasn't kind of like just something you absorb, like you might do baseball statistics on right. your own. They were right. trained exactly. to do this. And so this was something that young, young, you know, teenage boys were, were often involved in. Another way that young people and everybody, but young people could participate was young women, teen girls, uh, often were uh, participating in um, the ration office yeah. and distributing ration books and helping people mm. around um, rationing and figuring that out. Yeah. Victory gardens, also incredibly oh, yeah. important. Yeah. And something that young people could participate in. Um, Here in Westport, as elsewhere, there were card-carrying members of these community gardens. Um, My father, actually, it's funny you say this because I grew up hearing my father tell stories of the war. It's it's very interesting. So, as you know, uh, my wife's parents are both from Italy. Mm -hmm. Her father grew up, uh, you know, uh, and lived through the war, through the fighting, extraordinary, harrowing stories uh, that I've heard over the years that uh, my wife and I have been together. My father grew up, as I mentioned, in Detroit. Right. So these sort of two kind of very different experiences of the war. And my father, as I grew up, shared all of his experiences during the war. He talked a lot about his Victory Garden and how much they loved the Victory Garden. He showed me pictures of the Victory Garden, tons of vegetables. And it was a very, it seemed like a very joyful uh, experience for, for for their family to be able to you know, grow their own food and have this kind of communal experience of of the Victor Garden. So, and 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 it's also the fact that I think um, you know when you hear people talk about and write about this period of time, uh, from the smallest child to the adults, yeah. of course, it was a very difficult and harrowing and worrisome period of time. Right. Uh, but these these activities. Yeah made you feel like you were participating, right. right? And not only were you helping yourself at home, but you were helping with the war effort, right. right? And that's, I think, what was really important about these organizations that drew in um, young people to be part of that. I want to tell you about how a certain Westport young lady named Greta Peterson, who was um, at Staples High School during much of the war, contributed her part. And... What Greta did was she entered a contest that was held by um, the Westport Women's Club at their Yankee Doodle Fair. So people who are Westporters know this fair. It's every the beginning of every summer, very beloved. And my daughter loves it. Yes, <laughs> yes, very beloved. We all had to cut, you know, our kids came home with those darn goldfish that they won <laughs> right. that would last three weeks. Then you'd have to spend a year like replacing the goldfish <laughs> right. to pretend that it was the same goldfish. Right. I digress. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> but in during the war, they actually had a pinup contest at the Yankee Doodle Fair. Oh. 
That's yes. amazing. It's amazing. And it was called... Uh, okay, this is the big surprise. The, I didn't imagine this. This is the big surprise. So uh, you would be Miss Yankee Doodle Fair okay. if you won. Yeah. And you had your picture taken in a bathing suit. Oh, my. Oh, my. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> so um, Greta... Peterson won in 1943, and she's posing in a white bathing suit. And from the picture that we have, it looks like she is at Old Mill Beach. Okay, right? It's in the newspaper, and I guess what happened was the newspaper was sent uh, to servicemen from Westport. You know, maybe family members sent them, what have you. Uh, it was the Westporter Herald that was the paper at okay. the time. They passed it around, and this picture became so popular that servicemen started writing in saying, can you reprint this picture? Can you reprint this Incredible. picture? So the West Porter Herald decided, well, that's a little peculiar. Well, and they right. did right. reprint her picture, but it was her Staples High School senior photo. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody made that good decision. That good decision. Let's consider what we're going to do here, folks. But that picture caused all these servicemen from across like the Marines, uh, you know, the Navy, yeah. Army, um, paratroopers to start writing to her. That's amazing. And this young woman spent, you know, the next three years answering all of these letters. Oh my And gosh. we know this because when she passed away as an elderly lady, her daughter was going through her things and found them all. Wow. And gave them to the museum. Wow. So we have file folders with, you know, there's there's several hundred letters that survived oh my gosh. that she faithfully wrote back wow. to these young men, um, some of whom were from Westport and some of whom were not, a lot of whom were not. Um, and so there's some interesting, um, she kept a scrapbook wow. of some of the more interesting things that came in addition to letters. Wow. So um, there was a private Henry Tony Scow. Yeah. He was stationed at Aberdeen Proving Ground, and he drew a sketch copy of her pinup photo and entitled Blonde Viking Venus, and he sent it to her with his compliments. Incredible. There was another young man who wrote to her, uh, a man named Robert Wiley. Mm. He was stationed on the USS Bunker Hill. Right. And one of the things he writes, he says, as you can see, I'm a yeoman. So I don't, I don't have any daring and romantic adventures to write you about. So please don't expect too much, huh? Wow. That's what he wrote. Um, Do we know the ages of these guys? They had to be, you know, in their late teens, early 20s, because most of them mm. are, in fact, not officers, no. right? They're, they're privates, they're sergeants. There's a couple of lieutenants. This is so, an amazing story. It is an amazing story. And so another man, Jack Held in the Navy, he's writing on, he wrote to our Navy stationery mm -hmm. with a big gold eagle embossed on right. it. And he wrote Oscar with an arrow pointing to the eagle. I guess he decided to call the eagle Oscar. Wow. and. He writes, hello, beautiful. How is the pinup girl tonight? I hope in good health and mind. Uh, Lieutenant Leslie Figgy mm. Elwood says, dear Miss Peterson, I noticed your charming photograph in the, in the newspaper, and we would all be very thrilled if we could have one of your pinup pictures suitable for display in our humble, and then the last word is not Leslie. clear. Mm. And so in these letters, yeah. we see handwritten letters, mm. We see uh, the photostat copies 
of letters where, and this was APO mail, right? So this is military mail, um, army post office, and the censors had to read all the mail. So they often kept the originals Uh and they would take a picture of either what remained or even if it was fine and they, you know, didn't, there was something wrong with the letter, they didn't censor it. They would take a a picture and it's it's like um, almost like a, uh, a print of a microfilm, right? Uh, and that would get mailed. And wow. so there are those in there. There are these drawings. There are photographs. Wow. There are other mementos. So that we have mm. the letters and we have scrapbook. Yeah. Um, and from her scrapbook, we see like newspaper clippings. She was a fur coat model in 1944 wow. because she was the Yankee Doodle Fair pinup girl. Um, She was the lead in Staples Players, spring play called Double Exposure. Her own uh, boyfriend slash fiance was a man named Harold Sutphin. They did get married after the war. So there is a fair uh, amount, not as much, interestingly, Mm -hmm. uh, correspondence in these files between the two of them, Mm. including Christmas cards. Very sweet Christmas cards and Valentine's Day cards. Um, There's uh, a Christmas card to her from another uh, serviceman um, from Hawaii. And it says, Aloha from Hawaii to my unseen pinup. And his name was Carl. Um, This is amazing. This is sort of like, it's, it's a, you know, cataloging of, you know, the experience of the war. I mean, these young Boys, yeah. This is kind of kind of unbelievable, you know. When you think about their lives, what they're experiencing is, you know, young. My my son is twenty one, and imagining, you know, him having this type of experience overseas and missing everything and being in the environment that they were of imminent uh, death and destruction and all of this type of thing. At the same time, it's also a catalog of how we communicated, I'm going to say it, through media. You know, yeah. that's, it's like I'm flashing as you're talking, I'm flashing to how do young people interact now right. through pictures and words. Well, that evolution is kind of astounding. And uh, just so interesting to hear you talk about these, I mean, in, in a way, as I'm hearing, it's like these kind of pure-hearted communications, you know, and you can read into wow, what was happening with these young men, it's, and and her yeah. and her too. What an what a what an experience for a young woman to have. In that I way. mean, I think about this. She was a senior at Staples High School. Yeah. My daughter is a senior at Staples High School. I had to be honest with you; I yeah. wouldn't be thrilled with the idea of <laughs> right. a lot of guys looking at her. In a I mean, suit. exactly. It's <laughs> yeah. like you know, okay, one for the troops, but you but, know, but I wonder what her parents. Were. I mean. I, I can't imagine. I mean, it might have been. They may have been proud. They may. I don't know. Do you have any record of that? I mean, sort of a. We don't. No. But I mean, one one assumes that they were supportive because yeah. this is not a few letters. These are hundreds of letters. That's amazing. This young woman made it her job. Yeah. To write back to these young men. Right. You know, right. and to give them some semblance of normalcy well. and home. And when you mm. read these letters. You know, we don't have her letters to them. We just have her, their letters to her. Right. But clearly, she has a certain poise and dignity because the letters are really respectful. Yeah. Right. Even though she's yeah. a pinup girl. Exactly. 
they're respectful and yeah. they're very uh, like the young man who says, I, want, I hope this finds you in good mind and health, yes. right? So clearly yes. there's a respect yes. there other over and above being a pinup girl. But right. I, I think what I'm most, I was all of us at the museum were right. most impressed with is her diligence, her dedication, mm-hmm. uh, because this is no easy task. No. It wasn't just one you know, military pen pal writing to her at a time. It was men from across different branches of services. Some of the file folders are really very large. This man um, who, uh, in a little bit, I'll read you something he said that was very touching. Yeah. Lieutenant Ralph Kornumpf. Yeah. Um, it's the file folder is a couple of inches thick. I right. mean, she clearly corresponded with him for many years yeah. over the course of the war consistently. Yeah. Um, one of the things that's really interesting is in many of the letters, what they're complaining about is the fact that they've moved, yeah. right? They've been transferred. Uh, they've switched stations. And so the the mail isn't coming through, oh. right? Or that it's slow. Um, and in each one, they're saying, you know, I haven't received a letter from you, but I know it's because of this. Right. I'm going to keep writing. Right. Please send me a letter as soon as you can. Right. And, and the letters are mundane, yeah. right? There's nothing really that uh, compelling. You yeah. know, as historians, we read through these letters and we think we're going to find that little tidbit that's like a, a, a firsthand view, bird, you know, bird's eye view, insider, primary source information about a battle right. or about um, what we later know to to be espionage. Right. I mean, we have a lot of that with our material on uh, Sigrid Schultz, yes. right? Um, yes. The groundbreaking reporter who later lived in Westport. Yep. But that's not what we have here, right? You see this real human element yeah. of, of lonely young men yes. just so happy to talk with somebody who, who knows, in their mind, it was like, she reminds you of my little sister, yes. my girlfriend, Absolutely. the girl who sat behind me in English class, yep. whatever it may be, yep. right? Yeah. Um, I mean, it's funny because I, as I shared, my father, when I was growing up, talked a lot about his experiences of the war as a young boy in Detroit. And he communicated in all of those stories, the sentiment and the kind of, you know, united uh, feeling, you know, behind supporting the troops, you right. know, and, and uh, how it permeated all of the activities and actions from morning to night, you know, so I can imagine we were kind of talking about, you know, this young woman's parents and what, what was the experience like for her and what did her family feel? I can't actually imagine them feeling that it was quite an important role to play in support of the troops, you know, and I can imagine that. I don't know, but... If yeah. you see the sheer quantity, right? Exactly. This is not something she could have been, you know, doing no. quietly in her room here no. and there. Like no. she clearly had to be sitting down for hours at a time to yeah. answer these letters, uh, multiple days a week. So no doubt the family supported it. I was going to say, ask you, was there any record of of that support, or was it just sort of in terms of the material that you have? It's just we're just kind of inferring that understand. from the quantity. Yeah of material and the scrapbook information. There's a picture of her with um, her then boyfriend slash fiance, uh, Harold Sutphin, who became her husband. Uh, he's in his uniform and she's in her, you know, her dress and her ankle socks and penny loafers on her tiptoes kissing him. Theoretically goodbye, right? right. Um, young, young people. Um, one assumes that Maybe one of their parents took the picture. Remember, right. photos were expensive. Yeah. It wasn't like, oh, let me just snap a picture of you with my phone, especially during the war. To have a camera and to buy film for it, right. 
it was clearly a special occasion. Right. But to close this story out, Greta Peterson yeah. Sutphin, yeah. I want to read to you Lieutenant Ralph Kornruff's um, letter to her. And this is in April of 1945. So the war is, you know, essentially coming to a close, although they really didn't couldn't know that at the time. And he says to her, he's talking to her about things that he likes. He doesn't love being in England. He's finding it boring. He really wishes he was, as he put it, can't wait to be back in the good old U.S. of A. And one of the things he says to her is he's describing what he likes and doesn't like. And he says, I like that big moon situation where it shines on the water. I also like small towns, as you call Westport. I'm not particularly interested in a large city. As for me, I guess I'm a little old-fashioned that way. So that's the story of Greta. Wow. That's amazing. Thank you for listening. Thank you for sharing. This has been Buried in Our Past, Hidden Histories. We hope you enjoyed today's program. Learn more at westporthistory.org. You'll love what you learn.